It's the Book Squad podcast, a production of Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network. On this edition, our two-book minimum features Oreo by Fran Ross, Waveform, 21st Century Essays by Women, edited by Marcia Aldrich, Why Won't You Apologize, Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts by Harriet Lerner, and Unmentionable, The Victorian Lady's Guide to Sex, Marriage and Manners by Therese O'Neill. Later on, we're talking about Destiny of the Republic by Candice Millard, as well as other news and updates from the Book Squad. And now it's over to our resident Lawrence Public Librarians and Book Squad gurus, Kate Gramlich and Polly Ken. Hi, I'm Kate. Welcome. I'm Polly. Oh, good. And welcome to the Book Squad podcast. Welcome. What episode is this? I don't know. We're four. Four. Number four. Yay. They haven't cancelled us yet. (laughs) So, what do we talk about first? Bookish first, news. Yes, we've got bookish news. Uh, all the print that, what did you say last time? All the print that's fit to news. Yes. Yes. That's what I said. That's did. brilliant. <laughs> I like it. It was so brilliant. I had to blink on it afterwards. <laughs> so, um, it's the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year end. 2016. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. Yes. Uh, there's been a lot of best of lists that have been out and... Um, our own blog on the Lawrence Public Library website has our um, staff's greatest hits, uh, but we've got a couple of other sources for year-end lists if you're interested. Mm-hmm. So one of our most favorites is the NPR Book Concierge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's be- just beautiful visually, but you can really um, filter out um, by a lot of factors the kinds of things that you would like to read. So I think that you have a really good chance of finding something awesome there because it's really interactive. Um, and you can mix and match things. Book Riot. Yeah, is, they always do good things. They always have great things. Um, and then libraryreads.org is um, the librarian um, connection. So anything that librarians across the country have really liked this year um, they they do a um, 10 each month, and then at the end of the year, they do the best of those 10 each month. So that's uh, librarianreads.org. Those are our favorite places to go to, to look at year-end lists. I mean, there's a million yeah. year-end lists. But Which is really nice. And mm-hmm. you can um, – I know Tor.com does their year-end for sci-fi and fantasy, so yep. that's also been a neat one to peruse. Yeah. Uh, what would be your favorite, Polly? Well, um, my favorite that I that I put on my staff picks on the blog um, was the Underground Railroad uh, by Colson Whitehead, which is is pretty much on every mm-hmm. um, year end list. So I felt a little no, it's like good. I shouldn't pick one that's on all of the lists, but it was just it was really good. I think that it. Um, it's. I think it's a safe recommend for a lot of people. It hits a lot of the things that people like. They're, you know, um, good sense of place, good sense of language, those kinds of things. It's just a, a really great story. Um, well, I know when you read it, I think you said something like, this is why everybody loves this book. It's like, it's mm-hmm. worth the hype. It's legitimately very, very good. Yep. Yep. Some, can't always so, tell. Kate, what did you well, pick as you, your favorite? Polly. Uh, <laughs> Well, Helen Oyeyemi is a um, British author um, who I really enjoy. Uh, she's got kind of s- strange, magical realism, supernatural sort of t- 
like tones in her fiction. Um, but and she put out a short story collection this year that's called "What Is Not Yours Is Not Yours," and it's got a beautiful cover. Um, and it was one of the first short story collections I think I read this year at all, and it kind of launched me into a whole short story phase of my life. So yeah, because usually when I say something short stories, I know you make this face. That people can't see because we're on the radio, but yeah, you imagine make it's like imagine a, the face like yeah, I ate a pickle. I I like pickles more than I like. Oh short dang stories. it! <laughs> there yes. goes my analogy. I did make that face, mm-hmm. and then I realized that I'm just extremely wrong. Everything about that was wrong. So I apologize to my earlier oh, self and to you. Nice segue for a book we'll be talking about later. Hmm. Uh huh. We'll come back to okay, that. Okay, good. Okay, so other <laughs> bookish news items that we wanted to chat about to get people looking ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, books to screen, page to stage, what have you, however you'd like to refer to it. Uh, there's some really great books that are being made into movies yeah, or, or TV, TV shows, shows mm-hmm. or um, documentaries. So do you want to talk a little bit about the first one? So our coworker Eli was very, very excited about uh, Annihilation, which is the James Vanderbeek. Not James Vanderbeek. That's the guy from... <laughs> Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer. <laughs> James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek wrote uh, <laughs> he did not a, a sci-fi trilogy. <laughs> People. Uh yes, Jeff Vandermeer. Um, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He wrote Annihilation, which is the first in the Southern Reach trilogy. Man, I am blowing this one. I think but so. Mm-hmm. If Eli was here, he would correct me. Uh, <laughs> and it's got Natalie Portman in the um, movie that's coming out, uh, and also Gina Rodriguez, who I think is in Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Um, and it's directed by, according to Eli, the dude who did um, Ex Machina. Machina. I like how uh, he refers to him as the dude. The dude who, who did. did. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. Yes. And um, James Vanderbeek, or whoever it is. <laughs> Has a new book coming out in May too, so this is going to be a pretty big year for him. Wow! I don't know if I can top that, but let me see if I can try. So, um, Big Little Lies by uh, Leanne Moriarty was a big hit, um, uh, bestseller for a long time, and it's being made into a TV series mm-hmm. or a short series, I believe. I think Nicole Kidman. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Um, And we have that in a book club in a bag. Mm. So we were on our stuff. Uh, The Dinner, which is being made into a movie, which I pitched by Herman Coke. Herman. Yes. And let me tell you, that book. Hated that book. (laughs) This is why I picked to talk about it at Book Club Speed Dating because I hated that book so much. I I just I hated everybody in it. And then I still think, like, I read that a couple of years ago, and I still think about how much I hated them. And I was like, oh, that's an amazing book. Yeah, it for, turns out you don't hate the book. <laughs> uh, right. It's an amazing book to do because it's just still been in my mind. So um, Richard Gere's going to be in that. Which got us to doing a whole bunch of Googling about Richard Gere. So that yeah, was really nice. It was really nice. Yeah. We just looked at him over the just years. Just a lot of pictures. He's held yeah, up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, still pretty, pretty handsome. Mm-hmm. Um, There's also a documentary coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I Am Not Your Negro by James Baldwin is the basis for this documentary. Um, I don't know if that's 
coming out in the spring or summer. You know, I, I didn't write any dates down. It's but, coming out in 2017. But it's coming out, yeah. They've got um, – all of these actually have scheduled dates. So um, they are coming out. One that I saw the preview for um, accidentally because I don't I don't have regular TV, so I never get to see commercials, but um, I think it was maybe in Facebook or something – uh, was Emerald City, which is, you know, one of the Oz books. And it looks amazing. It's on NBC, which I'm a little sad yeah. about because I'm on regular TV. So now I'm going to have to go to someone's house. Maybe Hulu or something. Mm-hmm. I'll have to who get some Hulu. But, man, it looked really yeah. good. It just looked, like, so good. I, I was seriously, like, what? what is I, like, rewound it and, like, went back and... Um, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes you get fooled uh-huh. by looks, we'll but, see. but it seemed, it seemed like it was pretty good. And here's one mm. that we're going to talk about. I know you're skeptical about it. Yeah. Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. I've got, for the listeners who've not seen, uh, my tattoos, which might be <laughs> most of you. Uh, 99.999%. <laughs> Except for my mom. Hi. Uh, <laughs> I've got a Mary Poppins tattoo. Uh, because I love the movie so much, and I have not seen Saving Mr. Banks. Ooh. I know. I just, I don't know. The first one, the original is just so pure and so Julie Andrews and mm. so that guy that played Mr. Banks. And I just, mm-hmm. and Dick Van Dyke. and oof. So, I don't know. I I may see Mary Poppins Returns. I will not tell anybody not to see it, but. I'm interested. Well, good. You I'm should interested. You watch it. It was Emily Blunt is mm-hmm. going to be in that, and I love her. Mm-hmm. I like her quite a little bit. Yeah, well, she's no Julie Andrews, but that's No, good. she's not. So is it just the Julie Andrews piece? No, it was the Dick Van Dyke. It's everything. Because about that. Have you seen Victor Victoria? No, not yet. But I, oh, oh, yeah, I know. I'm a bad women's studies scholar for not having seen that. But but Julie Andrews. I know. She's amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're going to need to get on to two book minimum. Yes, we will, Polly. Okay. Um... So two book minimum is where we talk about two books at the minimum. I think this time we're keeping it to two per. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is uh, Oreo by Fran Ross. Um, I've got it right here and you all can't see it, but it's got a bright pink cover. <laughs> uh, it's really uh, pleasing to the eye. It's a very simple cover. So it was released in 74 and there was barely any publicity about it uh, because it was released right around the time that the Root Saga came out. And so the Root Saga completely overshadowed um, Fran Ross's book. And so it kind of was a cult classic for a while and then got re-released in the 2000s. And Paul Beattie, who just won the Man Booker Prize uh, for the sellout, he mentions Oreo as one of his um, favorite uh, humorous novels by a black author and just a a great example of... um, of African-American authors using uh, satire and humor. So um, basically what Oreo is, is a coming of age journey. Um, This is describing it at the back of the book describes it as a playful modernized parody of the classical odyssey of Theseus. Theseus? Theseus. There you go. That guy. With a feminist twist, (laughs) immersed in 70s pop culture and mixing standard English, black vernacular, and Yiddish with wisecracking aplomb. Uh, (laughs) So Oreo is the heroine, and she navigates um, so many different adventures, just like 
brothels and subways and weird kung fu sort of stuff. And it's just so bizarre. Um, And the language is just so beautiful. And it's very punny. And punny in, I'm assuming in Yiddish, the puns that I don't understand. But uh, punny in a lot of ways. So right on. Okay. I know you've been trying to get me to read this book. And it's been on my, I know. I'm going to read it. It's so funny. It's so funny. I'm going to read it. And very, it's going to happen. Maybe I'll read it over the break. And it's so smart, too. And I don't feel smart enough to like it. But I know what I'm smart enough to get, I really like. And I know that if I could just be a little smarter... I would like it even more. <laughs> but no matter what your smartness, I think you'd like it. I wonder if there's a German word for that feeling. Yeah. There's a German they've word for German. everything. Yeah, they've got a word for everything. Okay. The next one um, is going a different direction. This is a book of essays called Waveform, edited by Marcia Aldrich. Um, it's essays by 21st century female authors on their experiences um, as women uh, and there are names like Roxanne Gay and Cheryl Strayed, biggies like that. Uh, but there were a lot of lesser known names and uh, the wide variety of styles and themes um, were really wonderful. There was um, there were kind of funny ones and ones that were kind of stream of consciousness. Uh, and there were also very serious, more scholarly essays uh, one of my favorites was um, Girlhood uh, on Not Finding Yourself in Books by Jakira Diaz. And it was she was talking about the loneliness of um, growing up uh, and not ever seeing yourself in any of the books mm. that you're reading. She's a voracious reader, but she never saw um, kind of smart, funny Hispanic protagonists. And so she felt really betrayed by books and then channeled that into the power that she feels writing books with characters like herself and sort of feeling like she's going to be connecting with future readers and giving mm-hmm. them a chance to see themselves in books. So that was very moving. Waveform is a is a great um, series of essays. I really want to read that essay because I always felt like, I mean, I was a voracious reader as mm-hmm. a kid. And, you know, sometimes you read things that don't represent anything about you because, you know, they're about cats or Uh pup you know what I mean sure so um but I think you know I have had the privilege to see myself so Mm -hmm. much that I don't notice when I'm not seeing myself absolutely so that's a fantastic I think a fantastic thing to read I'm gonna read that one great so Polly what are your two books okay my two books um the first one is why won't you apologize Mm. healing big betrayals and everyday hurts by Harriet Lerner this is uh soon to be published I believe the pub date well the pub date on the the arc is um January 10th so it will be out very soon and um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but then Harriet will also be at the Lawrence Public Library mm-hmm. talking about this book. Um, I, I've loved Harriet forever. I read The Mother Dance, which came out in 1998, I believe, mm-hmm. and my first child was born in 1996. And it was just really insightful, and it made me feel much more comfortable Yeah, sort of embracing all of the things that I had already done wrong in the first two years and all the things that I knew I would, you know, do wrong. I'm still doing wrong, you know, Um, just to feel a level of comfort, comfort, comfort with that, that it's just 
part of the job, yeah. you know. Um, so it was a great book. And I, I should probably actually go back and read it because when I was going back to look at it, it had something about empty nesters. And I was like, oh, I should probably revisit that because that's where I'm at now yeah. is like get, getting there. Um, but anyway, back to the book, Why Won't You Apologize? Um, I was uh, – it's also um, – she did a TEDx Casey talk mm. on this book, and I was lucky enough to be in the audience for her practice oh, nice. for this book and it, um, for that talk. I mean, um, this was really great. It's just a combination of stories and developed theories in the past two decades that she's been working with people. Um, how to do why apologies matter so much? Like why are they so important? Um, how to do them well? How to not do them? Mm. How to to not do them too much. You know, women tend to over-apologize a lot, um, which she talks about. Um, And there's a great section about dealing with, um, for the person who really needs an apology from someone and knowing that you're probably never going to get one from, Mm -hmm. because there are people in the world, you probably know them. um, I hope that none of you listening are one of them, but who can, cannot or will not apologize. And sometimes like the more heinous the thing is, like the more that person is not going yeah, to apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, so how you can deal with being a person who's owed an apology and you're not going to get that uh, apology. Um, so I think that's really that helpful great. because, you know, we all need that. The next book is um, Unmentionable. I'm sorry that you can't see the cover because it's very spicy. <laughs> it is. Um, Unmentionable, <laughs> The Victorian Lady's Guide to Sex, Marriage, and Manners by Therese O'Neill. This came out in 2016. Um, I'm going to read you this quote on the back um, by that Lori Nataro, author Lori Nataro, oh, wrote because I, I know I love this. Hilarious, horrifying, shocking, and revelatory. Unmentionable is for every girl, like myself, who pictured herself running through a field of wildflowers in a silk dress and little house on the prairie boots, only to discover that she has knits in her hair, her clothes have never been washed, and she sleeps with her poop under her bed in a bowl. A miracle (laughs) of a book. And one of my favorite reads ever, Unmentionable, will be my go-to gift this year. This would be a great gift book. All hail Teresa O'Neill for uncovering all of that dirty, dirty laundry. Um, How many times can we say poop and things? I don't know. <laughs> Nick will tell us. Sorry, Nick. Nick He's got a us. running poop tally. Well, I mean, this is Victorian And stuff, that was a so quote from an author. It was a quote. So um, I... I I am a, a lover of historical romance. I read them a lot. It's uh-huh. sort of my go-to, um, you know, downshift in between other books. And I think they're great. Um, but there are a lot of things that aren't covered in the books. And sometimes mm-hmm. I find myself, especially if the book's not particularly well-written, I try to read only pretty well-written, but um, where you just start thinking about things. like The logistics of things. The logistics. And- like, a, how many... how. Has this person washed yeah, lately? Yeah, everybody's probably very smelly. You know, when when they get down to the business things <laughs> about things and romances, uh-huh. and, and I just say, oh, just kissing. I yeah. Think, have oh, you brushed your teeth? Have ever? you brushed your teeth? Right. Like, what's your tartar situation? Mm-hmm. Like, probably this is a question that. I have. So anyway, um, ew, it's a romance killer. <laughs> it's a romance killer. But so this book actually, once I finish reading it, I might not ever be able to read my mm. beloved historical <laughs> romances again. Um, but it's really funny. Um, it's gross. And there's some great insightful historical facts and practices and people that you might not have heard of in here. Um, it's, it is well-researched, um, but it is really super hilarious. But if you don't like really frank and salty talk, then this book probably isn't for you. Mm-hmm. So 
I can't wait to read it. Give it to your give it to your aunt who yes. comes to Christmas. Sassy aunt. The one that you always have to cut off after two glasses of wine. <laughs> so anyhow. I would be that aunt. That was two book minimum. Nice. <laughs> so what's next? Holly? Are we are we down for for she said she said? We are. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. What I'm pretty we? excited to talk about this book that I never thought that I, I would know, want to read. I know. I'm so glad that we both really love this. Mm-hmm. So, what book um, is it? <laughs> let's keep the listener in okay, suspense. This is, this is such a good okay, book. Now, the book is Destiny of the Republic, A Tale of Madness, Medicine, and the Murder of a President by Candace Millard. Dun, dun, dun. I know. So here's me, Kate's. <laughs> Kate's like, hey, you should read this historical, uh, you know, memoir about no, Garfield. I mean, a, yeah, a biography. biography Garfield. I mean, it's like a bi- like a small biography. It's like a mix between a biography and like a, a just a cultural snapshot and mm. almost micro history ish in that they get really into some details. Yeah, uh, it's a it. Yeah, it's, it's just awesome. It's not dry. It's no. not boring. No. You know, not to say that those books always are, but that seems to be what people think about them. So um, this book was pretty juicy. Uh, Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. Garfield dies. We're talking about James. James Garfield. Because spoiler alert number two, (laughs) Garfield is not actually a lasagna eating cat. Well, not this one. (laughs) Yeah. Because the first time you said something about Garfield. Garfield, And you're like, oh, lasagna? I'm very cultured, very cultured. Like as you mentioned, (laughs) this book is um, this book is about, uh, like you just said, is a snapshot. Um, It tells you a little bit about James Garfield, um, where he came from. His, you know, he came from really abject poverty. Uh, education was his way out. So you learn a little bit about his background. You learn about how education became so important to him. And then his pursuit of education um, to the point where he became the president of um, the college that Mm -hmm. he went to by the age of 26. Mm -hmm. And, um, but soon after that, um, he, the war broke out, the civil war broke out. He joined the union and, um, and fought after that, he um, was went to Congress and was there a long time, and then reluctantly becomes the president. Got dragged, got dragged yeah, by at, his heels. Yeah, at the Re- Republican nomination mm-hmm. committee thingy. Yep. Don't he, give it all away. Okay, but something happens, something. <laughs> and he's suddenly but the really president. Because this happened like a while ago <laughs> that's the weird thing about these books nothing is really a spoiler no. but it kind of is because yeah. if you had you didn't need it so at this so at the same time you're learning about him mm-hmm. in juxtaposed mm-hmm. inside of this book is um you learn about alexander graham bell mm-hmm. who's scottish mm. and there's a really good scottish uh, accent the, yeah, for the narrator this on the guy audiobook. does all the voices what's mm-hmm. what was his name i it was paul narrator. michael Paul Michael's the narrator, who's who's an actor, um, but he does a great job of the voices. So because he's talking about different characters, you still really get a feel for mm-hmm. all of the different characters. And then, William so Guteau. and Charles Charles Guteau? Charles yeah. Guteau. So you learn about Alexander Graham Bell, a little bit about his background and about what he does, and and um, like how he fits into Garfield's life mm-hmm. and 
subsequent death. Mm -hmm. And then um, Charles Guiteau, who was crazy. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that word again. He is. Like my friend would say, he is nuttier than squirrel poop. Again with the poop. I know. I said I was going to say it again. Okay, that word. I gave you a warning. Yes, I see what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) You can bleep bleep that out. Oh, this was woof. She did such a, like an incredible job describing his insanity. It was just compelling. Mm -hmm. And he was extremely delusional. And uh, it. It did a really good job of building the suspense in the story. It really did. But um, uh, so, what do you want? What did you think about Garfield? Oh, I just thought he was just the best human ever. Uh, we just really didn't deserve him. <laughs> he was just so wonderful. He was um, an extreme uh, abolitionist um, and was so smart and humble and so kind. And he had such great perspective coming from poverty. Um, and he was beloved by so many different, so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. And he really brought the the country together. Yeah. Um, and he never sought, like, he never sought any accolades for himself. No. Like there was a, I can't remember the quote, but he like explicitly, he even acknowledged he kind of went the other direction. Like he maybe went too far the other direction and not sort of tooting his own horn or yeah. something like that. Um, but he... I mean, he he was he was fantastic, and I loved that. Like in his humility, um, he still he was very clear not to ever because well, he was clear not to fetishize poverty mm-hmm. and not you know that poverty wasn't this ennobling thing um, because you know he was coming up at the time of you know they, I think they sort of made a romantic figure out of him in some yes. ways um, because he fit that sort of stereotype and that he you know he was quick to say like. No child should ever live in the kind of poverty no. that I lived in. It does, you know, like he obviously developed into a wonderful person, but I think Garfield would have been a wonderful person anyway. Yes. And a lot of people were crushed under the weight of poverty. And, um, you know, he would he would say, like, that's n- that's not a way to develop character. Mm-hmm. Like, I no. didn't turn out awesome because I had this horrible life. So uh, I really, I really liked that. Um, and I, you know, he's one of those people that I think about, you know, like you said, we didn't deserve him. I think a lot about people who, you know, left us too soon. Like, what would have happened had mm-hmm. he had a longer, I mean, he only had like four months, really, yeah, in his presidency. He- so what, you know, what would he have done? I mean, he was really pushing for, you know, suffrage for, mm-hmm. you know, black people. Would he have, what would have happened No, it could time? have been years ahead. Yeah. 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 Because he, you know, this was really happening at the time, you know, right after the war where, you know, we thought maybe there was going to be some movement and reconstruction was happening and then there was all this pushback. And so I, you know, I wonder... I don't know. I know. I wish I knew what was going to happen. I was listening to this audiobook um, during, it was just very bizarre to listen to this audiobook during election week, um, just because the process, just everything is just, everything is so cyclical, you know, yeah. and um, it was a very fascinating read uh, in today's. Yeah. Do you, like, I can't even imagine us ever being, uh, and who knows? Maybe something will happen that this has to, like, we have to go back. Mm -hmm. But I can't imagine ever having a politician 
like this. No. You know, I mean, I don't even think he would refer to himself as a politician. You know no, what I mean? Like so. just a, like a leader, somebody, you know, he. So humble and so mm-hmm. smart and so. Right. It was yeah. very, yeah. It was very important for so him loving. to be learned. Yeah. Learned and compassionate. And mm-hmm. so, um, and then the thing that we want to know is why is there not a book of Garfield quotes? Because this guy can put together Goodness. a quote. Yeah. He can quote. And Candace Millard, so at the beginning of each chapter, uh, she lays out a little quote by him uh, that kind of sets the mood for each chapter. Mm-hmm. Do you uh, want to read your favorite? Yeah, I'll read my favorite. Okay. Here it is. We have a post-it right here. Okay. Oh, this is, I forgot I picked such a sad one. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Well, we all know he dies, so this is a, <laughs> this is toward the end. This is the epilogue. Um there is nothing in all the earth that you and I can do for the dead. They are past our help and past our praise. We can add to them no glory. We can give to them no immortality. They do not need us, but forever and forevermore we need them. And I totally agree about Garfield. That's true. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, what is your quote? My favorite quote, which I think I think sums up what I, my takeaway from this whole book uh, about Garfield is. He says... Um, you know, knowing this, that he'd been like a Union soldier and like had been promoted up. Mm-hmm. Of course, I deprecate war, Garfield wrote. But if it is brought to my door, the bringer will find me at home. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he's not going to seek things out, but he's never going to back down. Right. Not right. one time. Yeah. So Garfield for president, I say. Garfield for president. <laughs> the cat or, or, yeah. or the man. They can run together. They can run together. That sounds great. Garfield and Garfield. <laughs> Well, okay. So it it was a great book. It was like I said, not a dry book. It was a great read. There were some tears. There were some crying. I, I, I cried. Yeah, that's I, how compelling it was. I just had no idea that I could care about a dead white man as much as I cared about Garfield. It was I know. just. It was a beautiful book. Candace Millard did a wonderful job. It was. All right, Kate. I think we've wrapped. She said. She said. That's it. All right. You, Holly? <laughs> would you like me to go first? Yes. <laughs> okay, we can't always be reading. Mm-hmm. The portion where we talk about the things that we do when we're not reading, mm-hmm. which Kate has already established is never, but whatever. I got one thing. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go first. Yes. So this week, well, it's been longer than this week, but I've yeah. ramped up this week. So I have been like focused on working out. And you've been doing good. I've been doing good. Getting getting shredded. I thought it was swole. No, getting swole, <laughs> as the kids say. Swole and shredded. Swole. Quad domination. Yes. I'm, I, I hesitate uh, to say this out loud because I don't want to get sued, but I have been making people feel my quads at work. That's true. And they are incredible. They are incredible. I mean, they are extremely incredible. Like yeah. Hulk level. Yeah, they really are. Point. So... Anyway, if anybody wants to know what I'm doing, I'm doing lots of squats. Strong lifts five by five, which is an app that you can get on your phone, and you it just walks you through like every other day you do workout A or workout B, and it's all free weights. So you know, like this week tonight, I'll be squatting eighty five pounds. That's um, which is you know is a lot for that's me. That's a decent size. 
My Middle my husband has a friend right? who's squatting 300, so Jeez. I know. So I'm like, I was, I was feeling pretty proud until <laughs> he told me that. But then, and then I'm also interspersing that with um, Focus T25, which is just something I can do at home. You know, like it's, I bought some DVDs, but it's, that's also quite a workout. Yeah. It makes me very sweaty. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's good. Good sweat. Good, it's good yeah. sweat. I mm-hmm. feel I I feel like I'm able to be much more focused on the other things I want to do in my life when I'm working out. Okay. So I can do a better job of my reading when I'm Sweet. getting shredded. Now, do you listen to any audiobooks when you work out? Not not for those workouts because I mean I guess I are they could, coaching you through it? With... I could T twenty five is I guess I could during strong lifts, but I have a partner that I lift with. Oh right, so That'd be that rude. so that I won't get <laughs> hey, crushed. Sorry, I'm not... Yeah, so mostly we're listening to like Nelly or something, whatever's on the workout Pumping jams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and so, I guess if you're you don't really want to. Yeah, but I do listen. I listen. My, I'm a, I like to listen to audiobooks, but I listen when I drive. I listen when I walk. Do you know? Take the dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. I listen when I'm cleaning around the house. I got I got a lot of Destiny of the Republic done with some early morning house cleaning. Nice. So, anyways, what are you that doing? Great. Feeling your quads. And, uh... <laughs> don't don't put that in there. <laughs> uh, well, mine is not. Uh... Oh, you're going to say that word again. Probably. Oh, yeah. So I don't feel very accomplished, but I do feel uh, proud of this one little thing. Uh, I have a kitten. Um, <laughs> you work out. I have a kitten. Uh, it turns out he might be part Maine Coon or possibly part Golden Retriever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just took him to the vet, and he's only six months old, and he is 10.4 pounds, which he's is enormous. Animal. That's like a fairly large ham probably i don't know how, i don't know how big hams are but um this is, he's large he's a large ham he's, a large hairy ham he's so, so appealing yes. you say that <laughs> and uh he's been having some poop issues oh. uh this is the poop cast uh, <laughs> oh no oh, nick is crying uh, <laughs> um yeah well Poor because kitty. when you have a child or a cat in my case you they talk often about have those things yeah, a lot. Bowel issues. Mm-hmm. So he's somehow managed to gain ten point four pounds in a short six months while while having like explosive diarrhea and then then a tapeworm eventually. Like it's just I think he's gonna turn into the size of a house or a very large ham. Poor cat. I know. No, but, not poor cat. He's fine. He's <laughs> he's been happy the entire time. He doesn't he's, care at all. Oh, it's that's true. Poor Kate. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I No, he's I apologize for my insensitivity <laughs> to what you're going apology. through. Harriet Lerner. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then mm. the other thing that I wanted to brag about was that I consolidated my student loans. My mountain of Yay! student loans. Yay. I'm so I'm going to clap silently. No, yeah, we're we have the golf microphone. clapping. Clap, clap, Yay. Clap. Mm-hmm. So uh, turns out it's not as scary as I uh, thought it was. And I'm going to be, uh, I got a really good rate. I'm going to save some money. Do some adult stuff. Nice. Buy another cat. No, probably not. <laughs> I am not. But you can get I'm another fine. litter box, which you might I need. absolutely could. Okay. Yeah. Just saying. Or ham. Uh, <laughs> so that's, mm. I've just been kittening. That's what I've been doing. That's what we've been doing. So what is going on in town or at the library coming up? Holly? Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, coming up, we have the menorah lighting. Oh, we do. It's going to be at the library on December 27th. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm going to say it's at five o'clock because I cannot remember the exact time, but we'll put the link Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the show notes, but that sounds about right. We have the largest menorah in town. It's, it's right. Yeah. I believe that we do. Yeah. So um, there'll be a menorah lighting and then there'll be a little community celebration afterwards, which would be really fun if you want to come out to that. And then um, Harriet Lerner, who I just mentioned a little bit before, will be at the library on January 19th talking about this book. I believe Mm -hmm. that will be at 7 p.m. And do you want to talk about winter reading? Yeah, we're in the middle of winter reading. It started on December 1st, and it goes through January 31st. Um, and this is the first year we're trying out, trying it out, and I think uh, it's going pretty well so far. Um, all you have to do to complete the winter reading challenge is just read three books uh, or read for 15 hours um, between the beginning of December and the very end of January. And if you do that, you get super sweet prizes. Mm-hmm. And we've put together uh, better prizes than we were even expecting. Should I say what they are? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, well, we've got a little pin that is a, like a little accomplishment pin. And uh, then we've got a 50 cent off drink coupon from the Merc, who's moving into the library space mm-hmm. soon. Yes. We're very excited. Uh, and then we've got a coupon for a free book from the Friends of the Library, who um, are very wonderful. And then uh, we've got a free LPL coffee mug. Uh, and it's a nice and, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's really wonderful. And the mugs were provided um, with funding from the Friends of the Library. So so they just give us lots of stuff. Oh, They're wonderful. They are wonderful. The we friends couldn't, are great. We, there's a lot we couldn't do without yeah. them. We've got great friends. Yep. Uh, so... That's that's what's that's happening it. with winter reading and our lives. All right. Well, I think with that, that's all for this month's podcast. Happy reading. Happy reading. That's it for this episode of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit reader.ku.edu forward slash book squad podcast. Our amazing Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Nick Carswell, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library and Audio Reader Network.